Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another episode of an Evolved Review. I am your host, James Caleb Kitchens, and each and every week I have the pleasure of being joined by none other than the the absolute all-time greatest watcher of wrestling content in the history of the known multiverse, the the Mater D of the Stovall Wrestling Network, the SWN, Caleb Stovall, welcome back. You must have spent so much time last night trying to think of that because it took you forever to deliver it. <laughs> no, actually, I just I was coming up with that off the top of my head, so that's why it took forever. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, uh, man? Thank you for having me, as always. What's going on, everybody out there? Um, I am excited. Uh, not only do I watch wrestling, but I love talking about wrestling. So... You know, uh, obviously, if you're watching this on video or if you clicked on this on your uh, audio podcast platform, you know the main event tonight is none other than the A&E biography on Bret Hart. Um, I, as excited as I am to talk about this uh, autobiography, not autobiography, biography uh, episode, um, I uh, am equally uh, thrilled to be done with them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I think if they had come out in like the winter or, you know, when we didn't have anything to do, I think it would have been great, but them laying it right on top of Dark Side of the Ring um, put a bad taste in my mouth as a fan and also as a content creator. So um, yeah, here we I, are. I was going to ask you, like, okay, because we know the Ultimate Warrior one, they clearly moved his up so that they could do it right before Dark Side of the Ring. But did they do these Legends biography just to spite Dark Side of the Ring? I think so, dude. I, I, it's a, it's a very Vince McMahon thing to do, isn't it? I mean, I know. guess so because you know, and and, and I say that I, I say that not because oh well they just happened to release at the same time. I mean they were different days, but the, I mean it's the same time period. But I say that because if you go and you watch Dark Side of the Ring, and then you go and you look at WWE's almost last five documentaries including their icon series they look like dark side of the ring they do try that they, they they can't get it quite as vice just has this very perfect way and, and not every episode's perfect but more often than not they just nail it and they have this really good way of like telling you a story in a way that is unexpected but familiar at the same time and i just i really love that about vice well because it's not it's not a wrestling show right and they're not they don't have an agenda most of the time exactly like 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 they're not a wrestling show but they are wrestling fans i mean i mean yeah. i mean you can clearly tell that by the footage that they use you know i mean they sit there and they watch hours of it and stuff like that they're basically like me in ways. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that being said, um, we, we have a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, to Ace, uh, the, uh, the Ace of Professional Wrestling superhero homie Q, who was on this show uh, when we covered the uh, both of the uh, Brian Pillman episodes. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I actually was on his podcast this past weekend. We uh, were on their uh, Patreon. So it is it is behind a paywall. But for a dollar, folks, you can get the episode and like a ton of more content. Um, but yeah, I was on Superhero Homies and we actually were reviewing the Mass Effect Legendary Edition that just Ooh. recently came out. And uh, we had two guests on. Uh, we had um, 
the homie Oz, which uh, you know uh, you you know very well. And uh, so uh, when he gets his introduction, you know they have a soundboard, and and he hits the applause for Oz when they introduce. Him. And he says, and then we have, uh, from an Evolved review, we have uh, the homie Caleb. That's what they call me on the show. We obviously can't use that on this show because we're both Caleb. Can't do it. Um, and, uh, and then he hits the crickets. <laughs> and, and the other hosts were so confused. They were just like, oh, my God. But I was like, I deserved that. I, I know. And he's like, and you know why you deserved it. So... Uh, I thought you would get a kick out of that and that our audience would get a kick out of it after after what I did to him when we introduced him uh, last yes. time. Yeah. Yeah. So. I was like, oh, my God. That is tremendous. I love Ace. Ace is the greatest, man. <laughs> I it, love Ace. It was hilarious. That is amazing. That's like when... Um, I used to do that on the SWM. We uh, we flirted with an idea for a while, and we tried it, and we did it to where like uh, I was introduced, you know, the host and everything, and uh, there would be this big crowd cheer in the background, and then uh, <laughs> when Chris Dickens was <laughs> was introduced, there was a, <laughs> you're right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is. That was great. Oh my god. I I I must see that. I I'm gonna literally have to pay a dollar just to see that. It's worth it. It's worth it. It was good. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. Um and it was a good episode too. It was a really great episode. Um and um I uh I was kind of a big fan of the Mass Effect series. Oh well you'll love it then. We talked about it for like three hours and fifteen minutes. Uh, we we basically did like an hour per game um, and went through it, and uh, the legendary edition was it was off the chain. Um, okay. That being said, we have uh, we have uh, a couple things to get through before we get to Bret Hart. Uh, we're going to talk about a, a piece of wrestling news, but before we get to that, I want we got a, a piece of fan mail, and I and and that doesn't huh? really happen uh, to us a lot. Uh, usually, uh, when we get, uh, messages from fans, it's one of two things. It's either angry people trying to argue with us about the Bruiser Brody episode on YouTube, uh, or it's people. Really? Request. Yeah. We get a lot of that. If you go look at the, the comment section on that video, okay. it is, it is just like, I mean, it, it's it, anyway, uh, it, it, people love to, to debate about that episode because, there's just so much we don't really truly know. And there's like a hundred different stories about it. And like Tony Atlas has told the story, not completely consistently, you know? Uh, but anyway, that's a, that's, that's our most popular episode we've ever done. Uh, and so, so most of the comments and, and letters we get from fans are either about that or they're asking us to cover certain things. Like when we did the 93 rumble or 92 rumble, 92, 92 Rumble. Um, it's been a long... Which was tremendous. It was tremendous. It's been a long two years, folks. Uh, <laughs> that being said, we got a fan, piece of fan mail, and um, I listen to Jim Cornette's podcast a lot, and he gets a lot of fan mail. So unfortunately, when I read these, I read them in his voice because it sounds <laughs> like him reading his fan mail. Uh, anyway, uh, we got uh, a letter, and uh, or a message, rather. We don't have a mailing... You know, we don't have, like, a public mailing address. Um 
But if you, if you want to get in touch with us, you can message us on Facebook. That's the easiest way. But uh, we got a message from uh, Ryan Siren. C- S- Siren. Siren. Uh, sorry for butchering your last name already. It's spelled weird. Um, anyway, uh, he says, absolutely love the show. Please keep up the good work. An evolved review is a daily listen for me on my commute. I was wanting to know if you believe that Super Genie will receive a Dark Side of the Ring episode. Uh, all the best, Ryan. Cool. Uh, thanks, Ryan, for that for that really? for that message. Uh, that was fantastic. I'm glad to know that we can uh, accompany you on your commute. Uh, awesome. We, we both live in Atlanta, so we know all about commutes, and uh, you know, there's a lot of a uh, lot of traffic here and whatnot. So. Yeah, I, I listen to podcasts in the car a lot as well. So thank you very much for the um, for the note. Um, hmm. As far as the question, um, first off, um, you know he's referring to Super Genie, Melissa Coates. Um, you know, uh, absolutely tragic. We don't really know. At least, at least to my knowledge, all the details haven't come out. Um, do I think that it's going to be a horrific story one way or the other yes um i happen to have some personal uh i i have that's done... the that just passed away recently right yeah she she did um okay. and, and now i i haven't looked at anything since probably the day it happened or the day after so if new information has come out since then and i'm incorrect or mi- or misinformed here i apologize in advance um so i'm not going to speak too in depth on it uh, I do have personal uh, dealings with both her and uh, Sabu. Um, I have done business with both of them. And uh, I think that the circumstances will be somewhere just south of horrific. Uh, one way or the other. Um, that The relationship between the two of them is... Uh, I, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's pretty much... It, it's rather abusive. And it has been for a long time. Uh, so it's, it's, do I think it will get a dark side of the ring episode? Uh, I don't know, but it's dark side of the ring worthy. It one way or the other. Her and Sabu. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, Sabu, um, you know, I, I have to wonder if she'll get her own episode or we'll have to wait until he gets an episode, because he certainly will get an episode. Um, he, he has is, to, dude. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe they're going to wait, and we will get a combined episode with the two of them, uh, although that's unfortunate, because I think she deserves her own episode. But it may just be easier uh, for them to cover it uh, together, um, as far as telling the story. So that's that's my outlook on it. Uh, I don't know if I can, uh, really say either way. I don't know enough about the Melissa Coates situation. Um, as, as you can tell, I mean, I just literally found out that her and Sabu are involved with each other. I was like, okay. Um, so definitely sounds like it. And I would probably, and I don't mean this in a discouraging way. So I hope nobody takes this uh, that way, but you know, they'll probably combine the two, like you said, if they do, because everybody knows Sabu in the wrestling business, 
like like they're just like oh sabu yeah we can watch that one melissa coates i don't really know a lot about her you know so you know they would probably use sabu as as the main draw pretty much and again i don't mean to say that you know no i understand i agree with you he's you de- he's definitely the more well-known figure i mean it, he was all over WWE, the ECW invasion, the you know ECW originals, uh, his matches in TNA. I mean, you know, his matches in TNA. Um, his well, well, here's the thing though. You know, everyone just knows Sabu from his ECW days. You know, on down, pretty much, right? But. People forget he was in Japan doing that shit long before Paul Heyman thought to do any of it. Yeah, uh, what I'm reading here is they still don't have 100% cause of death um, from the latest articles I, I can find uh, just quickly. Um, she, uh, So, I mean, here's the thing, man, is, uh, and I, I, probably, I probably shouldn't, but I'm gonna. Uh, I think either it's a drug overdose, uh, I think there's either foul play, or I think that it's possibly a suicide. And uh, the reason I say that is, I mean, she just recently turned 50. You have somebody who has been kind of, um, you know, uh, any, anybody who ages, right? You, you know, it, which is everyone. You get up into, you know, um, your uh, later years, right? Um, 50 is like a little past middle age, basically. And, I mean, you don't look like you did when you were 20 or 30 or even 40. Uh, and then she just had a leg amputation. So, I mean, you combine kind of all of that with years of being in, a, in an abusive relationship. And, um, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, you know, like I said, there's, there's no avenue here where this doesn't deserve a Dark Side of the Ring episode, whether she gets her own or they cover the both of them. Yeah, um, they're probably going to wait, though, to find out all the info. I don't think we'll get one like As they should. a year or so. And, and, and just, just to, to, to set the record straight, everything I just said is just speculation. I don't know anything that's not Googleable. So uh, other than, you know, just uh, having uh, met and worked with both of them. So I mean, that's uh, – but that's crazy that there'd be a lot of, you know – Ah, uh, I hate to use the word, but interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the nature of Dark Side of the Ring, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's it's taking uh, uh, I hate to use the word delight, but in tragedy, and uh, it's tragedy is interesting to people. It just it always has been. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I thought about that statement right there that I just said. You know, like. When we covered the Grizzly Smith episode, or right, um, was it, or is it Grizzly Adams? Grizzly Smith. Grizzly Adams is a TV yeah. character. That's what I thought. Grizzly Smith. And actually, I did that the first time when I messaged you on that one. <laughs> um, but when we watched the uh, Grizzly Smith episode, um, I mean, I went back and I watched it again. You know, like I just thought it was that interesting and i thought man does you know is it is that bad and then i thought wait a minute there are a ton of like serial killer documentaries and stuff out there with people doing much worse 
than some of this stuff, you know? Like, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that stuff and find it interesting. So, I mean, there, you know, there's a six it, episode Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix, dude. There's, <laughs> you know, there's a, a 10 episode, uh, excellent The People versus OJ Simpson documentary uh, hey, on I, Netflix. I like the uh, FX series, though. There's oh. an FX series about it? Did you, uh, Like an actual TV show. Cuba Gooding Jr. plays O.J. Simpson. Hmm. Along with, uh, and it stars John Travolta. Okay, and... yeah, that's the one that's on Netflix. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay, okay. I, did, I didn't know it was originally on FX. I th- well, I, I, th- I thought you were saying it was a documentary. Um no, no, no. It's just a, you know, it's a reenactment, retelling, whatever you want to call oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's really good. I think I've watched it like three times. Like, it's just very well done. Yeah. Um, that that being said, um, let's get into our next item. Uh, we, you know, we talked about this on a previous episode a little bit. And, you know, as it turns out, uh, AEW is going back on the road. Uh, you've got the hat, as always. And I, I'm excited, <laughs> it, right? I, I'm excited. Uh, I, I think that them traveling again, yes, will be a. It, it's going to do two things, right? For the fans, it's going to be like, okay, I can go see wrestling and not have to fly across the country again because only the most hardcore fans are going to do that. Number two, it's going to get the wrestlers and the creative back in front of you your everyday wrestling fans and they are truly going to discover what is and is not working. Yes. And, and that has been my, and I don't even necessarily want to say defense at this point or anything like that, but that's been my, yeah, I guess I'll just say it like that. That's been my defense for every promotion so far. If everything doesn't look that great right now, or they're just doing these like really weird ideas. It's like, it's like, honestly, because you have no choice, you know, like, especially when they were doing the empty arena stuff, like when they had no fans whatsoever, they, you know, I didn't, I was not necessarily a fan of the cinematic matches unless it was AJ Styles versus the undertaker or the uh, sting Darby Allen um Taz's uh thing as well but that stuff was good but I wasn't necessarily a fan of all of that but I get why they did it I get why everyone had to do that because they were like well we can't just show all of these matches with the empty arena fill on every single one of them like we we've we have to switch it up you know so uh I get why they did it and I get why, you know, they were doing certain things. Because, again, you didn't know who was over. You could not tell. It, it was it was like, okay, well, we could push this person. We have no idea if they're over. We could do this. We have no idea if it's working. <laughs> you know? And yeah. you, you cannot go off of internet talk. I'm sorry. But if you go you off can. of just internet talk, then you might as well just not be in business because everyone's just going to say everything negative, you know, like they're not going to say anything positive almost. 
So you can't right. go off of that. And so I truly think that AEW will be a lot, hell of a lot better. And I truly think that WWE will become somewhat better. If you don't have any sort of sounding board, uh, then you, you know, it, like, I mean, I can't imagine booking without one, right? I mean, I, I tell people this all the time. Uh, you know, first, you know, as a booker, um, you know, it, 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 on the indie level, people know that you're deciding what angles are run on the show, whether they're in those angles, how much, you know, how many minutes, uh, you know, they get on the show. And so the first thing that people want to know when they come back through the curtain is, hey, did you watch the match? Did you like it? Whatever. And my answer is almost always, uh, well, I, um, I, I loved it, but I didn't see half of it or I didn't see more than half of it uh, because I'm usually busy backstage. So I don't, you know, get to watch a whole match. But yep. I am always, 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 with no exception, listening. And that is what I care about. I don't care if you hit 17 belly-to-belly -belly suplexes in a row. I don't care if you do a quadruple moonsault to the outside through a flaming table covered in barbed wire, even though I would like to see that. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, I don't care. As a, I mean, as a matter of fact, actually, I... I, I don't want anybody to do that at my show. Making, your cat is doing a run-in, by the way. I mean, yeah. he's like running in and interfering. It's the it's the Zoomies, man. It's late for them. Uh, <laughs> this is their prime time. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I want the crowd to react. And I don't care what you do to get them to react. So, if yeah, if, if you're a heel and at the end of the match – the crowd is booing you throughout the building or if you're a baby face and you make your comeback and the crowd is all into it that is what i care about uh, and so trying to book a show without that is impossible to me yep. because that is what it is i mean that's the sounding board it that's my gauge of whether this you know something works or not or whether people like it or not that's where i'm at uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I can only imagine how far off the path you would be booking a year plus worth of shows without that. Yeah, I mean, it, but here was the thing. They had no choice. Nobody did. Like, right. Nobody yeah, I don't blame no them. And um, one of the things I was also thinking about was remember when the pandemic first started and AEW had to move to marietta you know they, yeah. they weren't in daily's place they were in uh, cody's uh, nightmare factory place and they just used that yeah. for filming and they went with the tournament format where you know everything was pretty much for the tnt title or the it, it was the tournament for the tnt title and they were able to fill some time with that and a lot of people said that was some of the best stuff that they did especially with the commentary, because for whatever reason, Tony Schiavone and Chris Jericho worked as a tandem. And I was just like, man, they need to explore that more. But that's a different story. But, you know, then after that, it was like, well, we can't do a tournament every single time. So we have to do, you know, different stories and everything. And 
And yeah, there was some ridiculous stuff. Um, I get it. Like they put on one of the worst pay-per-views of all time. They bounced back and put on a really good pay-per-view. And then they put on a semi-decent pay-per-view that had a terrible finish. You know, shit happens. Um, the only thing they remember is the finish. Of course. I mean, I get it. But I think I think so far, though, they've done a good job of getting away from that. And, you know, moving on, especially, you know, when they had their first pay-per-view back and there's fans. So now you kind of forget about that whole bullshit time period and everything like that. So I'm excited to see it because, yeah, we're going to see who actually is over. People are actually going to have the opportunity to get over. Matches are going to be more exciting and everything like that. Everything's going to feel so much better. I can tell you that right now because I've been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs, man. And dude, the crowd makes such a difference. I mean, you you don't realize it until they're not there. Like like you you truly do not realize how much the crowd makes a difference even watching a sporting event. Because when the home, you know, I think it's one of the coolest things when you watch a hockey like say a hockey game, you watch a game and they're in the playoffs and the home team is down. They're down three, nothing. And in the third period, it's, they make that comeback and then they win the game and the crowd is going absolutely ape shit. And and it's just like, Oh my God, this is, you know, what I missed. You just, you love that feeling, you know, it's even when the three count happens, like just think about if Drew McIntyre had actually been able to win the WWE title in front of WWE audience, which I felt bad for him. I was like, that really sucks that, you know, he didn't get the fan pop at the end when he won the title. Edge, you know? did, Edge's return. Yeah, uh, Edge's return. But Well, he got the Rumble. He got the Rumble entrance, yeah. but he didn't get to wrestle again in front of people. And, exactly. and and here's the thing. Um, you we'll know, go I, SummerSlam. Yeah. I do want to point out that I think the difference here is that uh, WWE didn't seem that different because they don't listen to us anyway. Um, <laughs> they don't. I mean, they don't give a single flying fuck about what the 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 live audience thinks uh, and or, or the IWC. They just don't care. They haven't in years. Uh, if they did, man, then, you know, you wouldn't have had babyface Roman Reigns ending every pay-per-view for five years in a chorus of booze. Yeah. Or, or even the Cena years where, you know, people had gotten so tired of that and they were chanting boring during Cena versus Orton 71, you know. Uh, so, I mean, that's the that's really AEW's saving grace is if they actually start listening to the people who come out and pay money to see them. That is what they could do. That is something that WWE will not do unless they get bought out and then they'll have to because um, when, when they, if NBC buys them, it'll be a different ball game. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm pretty much convinced uh, that, that they are going to get bought um, pretty much by NBC, but um, that's a different story. But I think it's cool right now, though, looking at AEW's Facebook and a lot of their social media, seeing the advertisements 
for uh, not only Dynamite, but now Rampage. That's officially going to happen. And I'm excited about that, man, um, because listen here. People can say what was a good idea and what was a bad idea back in the 90s and whatnot, but I remember when WCW had Nitro, Thunder, Saturday Night, Main Event, and, um, oh, God, what was the other one? Worldwide. Pro Pro Wrestling and Worldwide. When they had all of them, guess who was watching every single one of them? (laughs) This guy. And I'm still waiting, by the way, WWE, for you to put up every single fucking Saturday night and main event and worldwide on the network. Well, here's the difference, though. Each of those WCW programs was different. Like, Nitro was where all the big major storylines happened. If you just watched Nitro and nothing else, you could keep up with everything that was going on if something important happened on Thunder, because every now and then they'd have, you know, pretty much every Thunder, they always try to have one thing, like one storyline at least, from Nitro would bleed over. Yeah. Uh, Goldberg would come out on Thunder and wreck somebody. Uh, you know, and, and then the rest of Thunder would be the, it would it was the B show, right? But, yeah. But if you were a fan of Nitro, that they, they'd give you just that little bit to get you through the week. Worldwide, they did recaps of what was happening on Nitro and at the pay-per-views, and then they would have one or two matches. So it wasn't like today, where it's like, Raw is three fucking hours of WWE bullshit, and then SmackDown is two more hours of WWE bullshit. And then, I mean, NXT is two hours of not bullshit, but they it's still butter-scraped over too much bread. Uh (laughs) You know that's that's where we're at, and, and so that's why WCW had an advantage, and I think AEW would be wise to follow that example because people don't want to feel like they have to watch seven hours of television a week to keep up with what's going on. They yeah. just don't, and the ratings reflect that. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's very true. Um, I think I've, I've I've said that for a while now that that is the problem with monday night raw it's three hours and then think about that right like triple h said it best when he had the um stone cold interview he he said he said dude that last hour is so hard to script it's just so hard because i've all because we've already done everything in two hours and now it's like okay by the way you gotta fill in this third hour so now what do we do it's like, well, well, I, I've got a pay-per-view coming up. I've got to have a pay-per-view main event, but I've just done it on Raw. You know? See, see, this is where I mean, granted, I I mean, I book six to eight wrestling shows a year, so I I it's it's nowhere near the same thing, right? But of when course. I sit down to book an event, I'm like, here, like I have twenty-five ideas. And I want to tell these stories. And then I go, all right, I have a six or seven match card. Uh, I have room for this. I have room for this. And I have to pick and choose the best pieces to make a coherent show. Oh, oh well, uh, we got somebody running out right here. Well, we can't do that twice, so we got to take that out. We got to change this. I can't imagine booking in the opposite way where it's like, I have 35 ideas. Let me put them all on the card. Oh, Oh shit, man! I still got to come up with fifteen things. 
shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. just I, I can't fathom booking that way. It has to be so exhausting and just not. I mean, just creatively dead. You know, because yeah. it should always be that way. It would be like, it would be like an author, um, sitting down and going, "All right, well, I have this idea for a three book series, um, but my publisher wants me to do seven, so I'm just going to come up with some extra shit." Yeah, <laughs> every week. Every week, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's just like it, it would be like if somebody went to, you know, Steven Spielberg and said, "I want you to make a movie," and he goes, "Well, I mean, I really don't have an idea for a movie right now," and they're like, "Here's some money, make one." <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, exactly. And and this has been my point about pro wrestling for a while, which is a discussion I have been wanting to have with you. I don't know if we could get into a full discussion about this or if we save this for another time, but why is it there is no break in pro wrestling? Right. Not let, let's not, let's not, you know, just take into the fact of for health reasons, for injury reasons that you should do that and whatnot, because these guys are taking more bumps than football players do. And football players smack the shit out of each other when they play. You know, but these guys are taking more bumps and stuff like that and and, and, and they're doing more stuff. And yet they got to do it every single week for not only every single week, but four nights a week, basically. No, I'm sorry, for five, five or six nights a week sometimes. And I've sat there and said this. I'm sitting there like, why is it that there is no break point on Raw or even SmackDown, or just a, a wrestling show like that, because here's my thing, right? We're going to use, all right, all right, we'll use this show, Stranger Things, okay? Stranger Things on Netflix, I remember the first season came out. It was amazing. People were buzzing about it. They were like, oh my God, that's amazing. Then that second season came out, it became one of the biggest TV shows of all time. Then everyone was like, all right, I, I, I can't wait. W when is the next? You know, they made you wait. There's a waiting period. Now, obviously, they got to wait because they have to film stuff and everything like that. They have to come up with a, a brand new season and whatnot. I get that it is a different process. But I'm saying the thought process, though, in the fact of you have to make them wait. You have to make every, you have to let everyone breathe. They have to process what they just saw and then they have to wait to see, you know, to continue basically. And it it's, builds up more anticipation. It's the ultimate filler, man. And and I, I hate it. Um and, and I, I agree. I've said for a long time that um, you know, uh that there should be an off season in wrestling. I mean, if I had my way and could run shows in my own building, I would run like March through October. Yeah. And then, and then that would be it. And I would take November, December, January, February off because number one, uh, those are the months where the shows draw the least anyway, other than like, I'd say, well, November is probably fine. Um, but I mean, in this area, November's WrestleCade and that's like the WrestleMania of the Indies. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's where you are. Uh, 
I, I and I agree with this idea wholeheartedly. I mean, no other sport does this. I know why they do it. They do it because they go. They want to be able to go to the TV networks and say, "Hey, to our advertisers, we have all this content, and we're going to provide brand new content to you every single week, and multiple times a week." And that's the thing that these TV networks, nobody else is willing to do that. Nobody else really can do that. And and that's the thing. But it's like you're destroying the product in order to do it. And I really do think if wrestling had an off season, I think that that's one of the very few things that I think would result in a resurgence of the popularity of wrestling if it had seasons. Um, Because it's like you said, everything else that we consume is like that. And, you know, you, you end the season with WrestleMania. And maybe you pick it back up with SummerSlam. Yes. You know, I, 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 or, I agree completely. Or you go, you know, you pick up Raw a month before SummerSlam and you lead into SummerSlam. And then that makes that whoever wins WrestleMania, that's a huge deal because it's like, oh, the heel walked out with the title and now he's just got it for four months and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Or the babyface went, you know, went out with the title and now you know he's going to have it when you guys come, you know, when, when they come back, it, it it would just, it would be such a different form of storytelling and it would be for the better. Uh, it, sorry, sorry, it, ladies and gentlemen, we've derailed this entire episode, but this is a great conversation. It, I, I, but it, it really would be because, you know, the Super Bowl, man, I, you know, I know you don't follow football like I do. I, I love sports and everything like that. I follow the Super Bowl. Okay. Well then, <laughs> But but see, but there's my point, right? A lot of people in this day and age, they just wait till WrestleMania to follow everything. Right. Because it, it, it's the biggest thing and everything like that. Um, and, you know, with the Super Bowl, it's the biggest drawn thing, even during, uh, you know, the regular season. Like, they play in a stadium that you see every Sunday. But it's drawn bigger because it's the championship game and stuff like that. It has a bigger feel to it. And, you know, but after that, after that game is over, guess what? Football's done until uh, September, until the following September. And then you have to wait. And now, obviously, again, I get that, you know, people have to, uh, if you're talking about TV shows, people have to do production and, and film and stuff like that. I get that. Sports is injuries and, um, and you know, drafting and stuff like that. I get that. But wrestling can be the exact same way. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a TV show. I mean, wrestling is a, is a sports show. Basically, you know, like it, it, it really is. And I, I just I've, I've always sat there because like I will sit there and I will binge watch Raw or Nitro a lot um, just because they're really fun. Now, when I say that, like, you know, the 90s Raw and Nitro and stuff like that. But um, I sit there and I'm just like, man. This is every single week. Like, there's just way too much. Like, at some point, even Austin, as hot as he was, I'm just like, I don't even give a fuck now what you do here. Like, take a break. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. You're right. 
I I mean you're right. Uh, and, and and you know that's. I don't think it's something that's going to happen anytime soon, but I mean, I agree with you that it would be fantastic. And I mean, yeah, I mean, like you said about people waiting until, you know, mania season, I do like a groundhog day thing. I watch the rumble and based on what happens at the rumble, I decide if I'm going to watch between the rumble and WrestleMania this year. I didn't the year before that. I didn't, um, because I'm just like, when I tune into the rumble, I'm like, this is the same old shit. This isn't even good anymore. I mean, I loved the Women's Rumble this year. Absolutely loved it. Um, I loved uh, the way it turned out. I thought it stole the show. Uh, And then I was like, but I know that WWE is not going to give two um, women of color a good storyline for three months. They would be lucky to do it for one month. That's all they did. They, but, but they, they botched their, their angle. It, I, I thought it was, I thought the match was amazing. It was match of the year to me, but mm-hmm. other, than, but the angle sucked. I thought yeah. I didn't, I mean, you know, but no, no I, I agree. I agree. I thought that the angle did suck. I thought that there wasn't enough badassness between the two of them. There was no tension at all. I mean, it, it was just like, yeah, we're going to have the match. Uh, anyway, I, I, I don't want to get further down the rabbit hole. Let's get into Bret Hart. We're at 41 minutes, and we hadn't even started talking about uh, the, the biography episode yet. Um, I, and I'll tell you, folks, you know, the thing is, uh, a lot of this stuff is, there's not a ton to chew on here that's new for wrestling fans. And I'm assuming if you're listening to this show, you're probably not a casual wrestling fan. Uh, you know, so a lot of this stuff, a lot of it was interesting. Um but, uh, you know, they have to make these for, like, you've never heard of Bret Hart before. You know, and so it has to be interesting for that person. And it has to be interesting for people like us who have watched wrestling our entire lives. Um, you know, so it, it is tough to walk that line. Um, but, you know, it, as we all know, this is, it's Bret Hart. Uh, he is uh, probably the most famous person um, out of the Stu Hart, you know, Hart dynasty. Um, I'd say so. His dad is fucking insane, or was rather. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I mean, if I told you that somebody lived in, you know, out, you know, twenty miles outside of Thompson, Georgia, in a trailer, and they had twelve kids and a bear under the porch. <laughs> right, exactly. So the fact that he lived in Canada shouldn't change this. The, the way that you see this at all, but because he's Stu Hart, we give him a pass. But I can guarantee you that Stu Hart was a weird fucking guy. Uh, yeah. Um, I could tell that, especially like when, um, when they, they used the freaking, it, it, that was something I was going to point out. They used the story time show like video clips for that did you see that yeah the cartoon of it yeah i'm not gonna lie i kind of liked because i like cartoons (laughs) right so um i liked story time um and uh so that was pretty cool that they started talking about that but then as i'm sitting there i'm just like wait a minute this dude's talking about a bear licked his feet how did he not bite 
the shit. Like, I'm just like, is this real? Right. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. I questioned that one. I was, I was going to say it, folks. I questioned that one. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, that just seems a little too far fetched to me. I'm just like, wait a minute, a bear? I don't think so. <laughs> but then again, I don't, I, dude, I, I don't know. But I remember Stu and uh, the dungeon story, Stu Hart and the dungeon story. I should say. I remember that one though, more so from. What I feel is the best Bret Hart documentary of all time. Yes, even better than this one. Spoiler alert. Wrestling with Shadows. Wrestling with Shadows, fantastic. Yes. Because it wasn't from WWE's perspective. Right, exactly. Wrestling with Shadows is great. And I I would recommend anybody that even kind of liked this to go and watch it. Because I think it... I think it's the best uh, uh, as well. And then a close second would be, uh, of course, uh, the Vice uh, Montreal Screwjob episode from Dark Side of the Ring. I'll be honest. I'm so sick of that story. I, I am too. But that episode is the first time that we ever got. Well, it's the, it's the closest we've ever gotten to the real story. It's it's as close as we're ever going to get to the real story, a hundred percent. So yes, and um, well, yes, but there there is something that, that that you always point out in this, and and I mean, since we're talking about, it, might as well just go ahead and point this out. You always mentioned that you never uh, heard in WWE that like Sean said to Brett that uh, he would not put him over. And stuff like that, like like he would not do the same for him, basically. Right. Um, they I do did, talk about it here. I I know that they talk about it here, but I've heard that before on other documentaries in WWE. Like I heard yeah. that. Um, so, well, um, it's it's was- not just that though. It's it's the whole thing where they gave Sean four months off, you know, leading into the Iron Man match. And yeah. Bret Hart's out here wrestling Yokozuna and everybody else defending the belt. And Sean's at home making training videos with uh, Jose Lotharia. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, that's the stuff that you don't hear. They, I mean, they didn't talk about him knocking out Vince until years later. Um, Sean didn't come forward with all the shit he was involved in until years later. Uh, you know... Uh, Sean's sitting there crying his eyes out saying, you know, I, I swear to God, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know about it. You know, you never saw any of that in any of the WWE stuff. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to say, Hey, a hundred percent. You never heard him say Sean said he wouldn't put him over. But okay. like, but I, I just want, I'm more pointing out that WWE always like tried to show, they always tried to make it out. Like Sean was kind of, in this very positive light, Vince always took a hundred percent of the blame for it, and then they always like made Bret Hart kind of look like the bad guy too. I mean, um, you know, when they originally did their special on it uh, on the Screw Job, they yeah. didn't talk about how Vince signed the, the contract with Bret, and then went, "Oh, you know what? Uh, well, I tell you what, 
I can give you half the amount of money in twice the amount of time. <laughs> you know, after after Brett already took a haircut on what the contract could have gotten with WCW and said, yeah. I want to stay loyal to the company. Yeah. That's and nuts. And, and, and I'm sure we'll go into it even more because, you know, eventually we're going to come back to this at, at the end of this. But, um, you know, back to his father, Stu Hart, um, he ran his own promotion. Right. And his promotion was basically the WWE of Canada. Yeah, I mean. It was, it was the biggest promotion in Canada. And it was, it was, I can guarantee you that it was better than the product that the WWF had at the time. Because WWF has gone full circle, right? In the 80s, it was like watching a children's cartoon in real life. Everything was cartoony and whatever. Oh, no. Like, I, so I went and I watched uh, one of the 80s things the other day because uh, they talked about it on um, on something to wrestle with or something like that. I, I don't know. I heard something, and I wanted to watch it. I'm sitting there, and dude, if you go and you – like, we talk about how scripted promos are today – I get that a lot of guys were really good promos back then, but the shit that I was hearing, I mean, there was punchline after punchline after punchline. Like, it was insane. I, it was, it, it, like, it, it was so different back then. And so, <laughs> Stampede Wrestling probably was... Uh, a lot different, but was it Stampede Wrestling around when the territory system was really popular as well? Yeah, I mean Stampede was it was essentially considered a territory. It was just in Canada, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I really liked the coverage of Stampede here. They spent, I mean, they didn't spend a ton of time on it, but they spent a little longer on it than they usually do yeah. um and they talked about all the people that came up through stampede i love that they had edge on here um you know i've read his book uh, adam copeland on edge and uh, i really loved uh all the parts where they talked about him training with bret hart and everything um, you so, they didn't talk about christian doing the same thing yeah well i mean you know wwe has or lance storm or chris jericho or he who shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Vincent Man hates uh, hates Christian, always has. So, well, yeah, and but, Jericho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, not not as much though. I mean, obviously, because he let him go on uh, Burke and Skull sessions. But, well, true, you know. true. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I I like that aspect of this. Um, I really liked it even more when they talked about, you know, Brett, you know, when he, like, Bret Hart was just, his his gimmick, I mean, he had the Hitman thing, but he, he is the gimmick. Like, he approached wrestling from a standpoint of, I'm Bret Hart, and I want to be a successful pro wrestler. There's yeah. not a cartoon character here. And yeah. I think that really resonated with people. Yeah, he always stood out because of it, because everyone was so cartoony 
in WWE, everyone had this like over the top gimmick. He always felt out of place. I always kind of said this too about Bret Hart, especially after looking uh, at this documentary. I always thought that like he was born in the wrong time period. Like he should have been, he should have been wrestling when the territory systems were really popular. And he would have been like the NWA champion. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, that's the thing that I love about Brett is he was never over the top. And, you yeah. know, th- th- sometimes over the top works. But for Brett, he was able to, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to, uh, you know, to, he, he's famous for quoting, uh, for the quote, uh, you know, I never had to yell at my fans. Yeah. That and he didn't. When you see him interacting with his fans, it's, hey, I'm, I'm Bret Hart, you know, how, how's it going? You know, I'm WWF champion, if, you know, when he was at the time. Uh, you know, and it, it's, that's how it is. And, and it was just like, this is a real person. This isn't a gimmick. This is not a, this is a real individual. And, and that, and it's sad that wrestling was in a state where that was, you know, where, where you were able to stand out doing that. But, but he did it and it worked out. And he was so real right. that they were able to have a real life storyline right. with the family. And I got to say, man, that's probably one of the best storylines in wrestling was that Hart family feud. Not just with him and Owen, but the entire thing. Like when Davey yeah. Boy was involved, it's like everything about it, I was like, Ooh, that's actually pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, where they brought Diana in. I mean, the whole thing is just so good. And I mean, you know, you talk about the... I mean, that match between Brett and Owen. Oh, God. I, it, that, that match is amazing. Um, but I really liked the two matches with him and Davey. Yeah. They I were fantastic. Loved, I loved... First of all... SummerSlam 92 has become one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. Second of all, that main event between him and Bret Hart in front of London and the storyline going into that, I was just like, this is good stuff. This was great stuff. And you want to know what's funny? On that very same show, you had the Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Randy. Two totally different dynamics there, but it worked. And then I liked the matchup that he and Davy Boy had at one of the In Your Houses. I can't remember which one. I know it was in like 95 when they had it or something like that, I think. Um, but it was a really good matchup. Um, just a lot of stuff that Brett did, man. Um, I loved his I loved the King of the Ring 1993 pay-per-view. The first one, the first King of the Ring, like, I thought it was really well done. And Brett had three amazing matches that night. Seriously, go and watch uh, those. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to uh, remind you of something at the very end of this. Uh, So before we sign off, remind me of this. But, uh, But the King of the Ring 1993, he fought... Razor Ramon in the first matchup, you know that was an awesome matchup because Scott Hall can go and then put him and Bret Hart in the ring. That was great. Then a matchup against him and Mr. Perfect, that was amazing. 
And then a matchup with him and Bam Bam Bigelow. I was always a fan of Bam Bam, despite him, you know, it, like he had that I'm this enormous person, but I can move gimmick. Oh, God, I love Bam Bam Bigelow. And by the way, well, then if you're a fan of Bam Bam Bigelow, dude, I encourage you to go watch that match. I will. Yeah. Um, the triad, man. Yes. The triad. <laughs> Who's better than Canyon? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, looking forward to his Dark Side of the Ring episode, unfortunately. Oh, well. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, that's uh, story. <laughs> yeah. Completely different story. Back to Bret Hart. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree. Like, the way that Bret was, I was actually really surprised that they allowed the Hart family story to happen and that they allowed Bret to do the stuff that he did with Owen. I mean, the stuff that. You just you can't even fathom Vince McMahon okaying that in the modern era. You know, no, but I guarantee you, none of them fought against it. They were happy to do it. They loved it. No, I mean they did, but I'm just saying, you know that, like I could just, there's very few places now where you could go, even on the Indies, and say, hey, you know, we're all talented workers. This is my. Uh, this is my family. This is my sister, my brother-in-law, my actual brother. And like, you know, and the, we want to do this storyline. And it's just not a lot of places where you would have that happen. Um, yeah. You know, what you're much more likely to get, especially in the WWE now, is it would be more of like a, uh, you know, uh, a Smith family thing where you don't even know they're related. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like um, uh, Bray Wyatt and um, what was uh, his brother's gimmick? Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas, yeah. I mean, they you know they never even hinted, and they looked just alike. Oh, yeah. I know. That, that, that's what's uh, funny about it. How about the Hart family, though? Um, isn't that, like, the weirdest dynamic in a family? Like, all of the guys, all of the sons are wrestlers. And all of the daughters are married to wrestlers. Yeah. It's like if you it's like if you wanted to do anything else in that family, wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> like, yeah. like wrestling was just always gonna be put on that family. That was it. Yeah. They should have had somebody that was like an accountant or some shit. <laughs> they would have been like the black sheep of the family. Um so, I mean, we, we touched on this a little bit, and, and I don't really want to spend too long on any part of this, but okay. you, can't, you can't talk about Bret Hart without talking about Shawn Michaels. Of course. Um, even, if you, even if you don't get into the screw job, the two of them had incredible chemistry. Yes. For the same reason that there's incredible chemistry in the match that I have called the greatest match of all time several, uh, several times. The reason that Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels have such amazing chemistry. It's the same reason that Shawn Michaels has amazing chemistry with Bret Hart. Shawn is a guy who can have a great match with just about anyone. Yes. Um, but he had tr very true chemistry with a couple people, and Bret was one of them, and Kurt was one of them. And Kurt is more of a technical wrestler. Bret is more of a technical wrestler. Shawn is flamboyant. Shawn is the showman. Bret is a wrestler. Um, and he's not flamboyant. Like he said, he doesn't, he doesn't go over the top. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to dance for his fans. Uh, he doesn't have to yell at them. He is Bret Hart. And that's why that they contrasted so well. 
And I think that's what led to both of them having matches, but uh, matches that were so great because that's a story you could tell in the ring. Well, not only that, it's something that people also forget to mention. Wrestlers, while it is a show, it's still very competitive, right? In in a different kind of way. So when you go out there, you want to be able to keep up with your opponent and stuff like that. That's how you know. It, it gets competitive. And there was a real-life competitiveness between the two. You could tell that, like, like Kurt Angle, oh, by the way, if you want to hear about your favorite matchup of all time, go and listen to his podcast then with Conrad Thompson. I definitely but will. He talks about it in great detail. And he said, he said, when I faced Shawn Michaels that night, like – Sean came up to him and was just like, was just like, you better keep up with me. And he was like, really? So like, you know, he, Sean didn't, Sean didn't lay down for nobody basically. And I don't mean that, you know, like what, no, I know. what it mean or anything like that. Like Sean went with people. Right. And then when you get Bret Hart, who took the, like you hear him talk about the business he talks about that title like when he lost it, he was so depressed, basically. Because I mean, Brett, Brett is an incredible champion because yeah. he's such an ambassador for the company. He, he, I mean, when he was a WWF champion, he was a WWF, champ, a WWF champion. And not in the negative way that you would hear about that today. Because today, when you use that terminology like, uh, yeah, uh, this guy kind of let the belt gimmick go to his head. Uh, it's always in a negative way because it's always like, okay, well, I won the title and now I got a, an ego all of a sudden. But Brett, that wasn't really it with Brett. It was more of a pride thing. And it was it was him basically being a leader in and out of the locker room. And that's what you really want in a champion. You want somebody who is going to go out and carry that championship and people look at it and say, hey, this guy's cool. He's the champion here. Uh, maybe I need to check this product out. Yeah. And, and and that's what you really want. And that's what I think he embodied and what I really liked about him. And you're right. Him and Sean definitely did not get along because their on-screen personas were just, as we always say, they're just amped up versions that are off-screen personas. Oh, yeah. And at this point in time, Sean was a huge asshole. That's by his own omission. Yes, <laughs> very much so uh, at this point. It goes back, though, to what I was saying earlier. Um, I believe, dude, that Bret Hart, if the NWA had been around, he'd have been NWA champion, and he'd have been doing what Ric Flair and them did. He'd have been going to every single territory and having, like, hour-long matches. Yeah. Which yeah. I would have watched every single one of them. Yeah, I mean, so let's <laughs> since you say that, let's talk about hour long matches. Um, oh God, <laughs> the Iron Man match. Um, I think it's the most overhyped match of all time. It is, and here's the thing: I wish they had done. For me, all right, this Iron Man match. I think I I, I think it's incredible to see it one time. But I think after that one time, it's done. 
Like, it's not interesting the second time. If you already know the finish, it's not interesting. At the time, it was interesting because no one knew what was going to happen. And then at the end of the 60 minutes, when there's still not a damn pinfall, that's you saying, these guys had an hour. And they're that evenly matched. Nobody could break the other person. And then Sean wins it. Boyhood dream fulfilled in overtime, basically. Sudden death. And that was just the most riveting finish that you could have come up with for this match. I think it never should have been done again. Because a 30-minute match, okay, there are people out here today who can make a match interesting for 30 minutes. But that's not a damn Iron Man match now, is it? No. And I think the difference between a match that is an hour long and a match that goes an hour long is a lot different. Because if a match goes an hour long and it's not an Iron Man match or anything, well, then that just builds suspense. You don't know when this is going to end. I don't think there's... I'm going to say it straight up. There's no two people alive today that I want to see wrestle for an hour. I don't want to see... There are like maybe 10 that I think could be good for 30 minutes. Maybe 10. Uh, I mean, I, I, I might could think of others or anything like that. But again, I don't mind time limit draws as long yeah. as you can do them all the time. But I don't mind time limit drawn matches, even yeah. going back and watching those. Nearly every fucking person on AEW needs... To, to hear that nobody wants to watch you wrestle for 30 minutes. Especially not on a regular basis. Um, I could watch... So so when Ciampa and Gargano first had their match, their feud, yeah, I, I could have watched them wrestle for 30 minutes easy. And then been like, fight forever. But that's so... I mean, that's definitely not the norm. It's certainly the exception in today's wrestling. Well, I could, the storyline was so riveting. Right. I could watch like Adam Cole, baby, and Samoa Joe for for 30 minutes. Of course. And so maybe you, I'll get that chance. Like, okay, uh in, in that same instance then, like say you could go and watch then the hour long time limit drawn matches between him and CM Punk. I or- I, I would never watch them again. I think I've seen, I think I have seen, if there's, are there multiples? Because I've seen at least one. There's two. Yeah, I, I've seen one of them. The first two. I don't know if I want to watch the, you know, if I want to watch two of those. I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, it's one thing, and I agree with you, like, there's no way in hell I would ever book an an hour-long Ironman match at an indie show, right? Because, you're like, fuck, I don't want to sit through this for an hour, you know? But then you could book a match that if it could hold the crowd for that long, that it could go, and that would be incredible. Yeah. So I agree with you. Um, so that, I mean, we kind of, uh, we kind of talked about the screw job already, um, yeah, we didn't, you know, I, I think the best look at the screw job is the, is the dark side of the ring, um, to me, uh, that, that, that's just, that's my opinion of it. 
I just, I just think it's the most overblown thing of all time. I just, because I just think the, because whenever I see people defend it, like when Bruce Pritchard, right. Uh, someone or, uh, Conrad Thompson said the comment of, of what do you say to people who say that this was a work and that, you know, everything was made up uh, all for publicity and everything. And he was just like, I'd say they need to look, uh, figure out how to run a wrestling company because uh, I, you know, all this happened and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there just like, dude, the very idea that an owner of a company is held up with a belt that he gave someone that he already says who's going to drop the title to like it just to me it, it just is i'm just like what <laughs> like like either way you 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 because like i tried to explain it to one of my friends and they were just like this doesn't make any sense just take the damn belt off of him yeah, I mean, there's a couple. There's there's just, there's a few layers to it. So, on 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 the purely objective level, it may it's one of the most significant events to ever happen in pro wrestling. It created the biggest heel in the history of pro, uh, pro wrestling, which is Vince McMahon. Um, it baby face. What's that? I said I said, and then had the biggest baby face to go with him. Yeah, I I mean. Yeah, I mean, the Austin McMahon feud, I, all of that comes out of this. Yes. Um, and it worked out huge. Now, if you get a little bit further from objective and kind of into the details here, um, into the weeds, baby, as uh, Dusty would say. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean. If you will. If you will. Uh, it's late, folks. I don't do a great Dusty um it, okay yes fuck bret hart for not dropping the belt like that that's that that is still my opinion on it because at the end of the day yes okay vince is a piece of shit for screwing you you should have left to go to wcw but you don't get to fucking pick who and when you lose the title especially if you're leaving <laughs> and at the end of the day I wouldn't trust anybody to not be under contract in the position that Vince McMahon was in while they have my title. If the damn owner of the company or the booker comes up and says, we want you to drop that title to such and such on this day, unless you seriously feel like your safety is a concern, and I don't think Brett felt that way, then drop the goddamn belt. Yeah. But that doesn't mean Vince McMahon was in the right, and I don't. Th I, I think he made the right call here. Uh, but I think beyond that, I mean, there's so many circumstances where I don't blame Brett for leaving. I don't blame Brett for being upset about it. Um, and that's all. I mean, that's all I really have to say on it. You know. Well, and, and 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 I agree with that. But aside from the screw job, one of the things that we didn't mention was the incredible unique heel run that he had during this year. Yeah. Um the Heart Foundation 
that may be one of the greatest things ever in pro wrestling because in your house spring stampede is considered one of the best pay-per-views of all time because of the main event and it's not for the world title or anything like that it's just it's like an eight-man uh tag match or something like that and dude you want to talk about a crowd that is on fire understandably so i mean canada that night you talk about someone who had the home field advantage it was the heart foundation i mean they were going nuts it is one of the coolest things i have ever seen in pro wrestling it really is and let's not forget that Bret Hart uh, is responsible for making one of the biggest uh, baby faces of all time, which is Stone Cold Steve Austin, because he had what is arguably still to this day considered one of the best matches of all time <laughs> in the WrestleMania 13 uh, Austin versus Bret Hart, which I'm just going to say it. I thought that match was better than Bret Hart versus Michaels. It it definitely was from a storytelling perspective, from a a technical perspective, the Michaels match is better. Well, obviously, yeah. But, but I mean, if you want from if you want the best of both, I think it's the Owen match. Well, yeah, of of course, but um, I, but the I, Austin match is amazing. I love that match, but I also just love the story. Uh, I loved him versus Austin at Survivor Series '96. Yeah. That match was awesome. I love the matchup with him and Austin at the next pay-per-view at uh, In Your House. And then they had an awesome storyline on Monday Night Raw the very next night where uh, he injured Bret Hart's leg and stuff like that. And it was the first time that they really got kind of edgy like that and they started uh, doing more stuff. And it was really cool. I like that kind of stuff. So Brett was involved in a lot of that. But Brett didn't like the direction of the Attitude Era. Which was, which let's be honest, he was not going to fit in the Attitude Era. He just, he was not going to work. He really wasn't. I mean, and he didn't, you know, they didn't have anything for him in WCW either. His WCW run was atrocious. I mean, God. The matches were quality, you know, but it's like they brought him in as the referee for the Sting Hogan match and did that stupid ass slow count angle that wasn't really a slow count. And the whole thing was just a complete disaster. And he wasn't wasn't really even involved in that match until the very end. They they brought him in for the Zabisco and Bischoff match. They they had no idea what the fuck they were doing with him. And and they wouldn't have done very much better with him in WWF. I mean, honestly, Bret Hart would have been better off just take taking the WCW contract for a little while and then just kind of fading off in the distance and retiring. You know? Um you know, there there would have been a spot for him probably as an agent or a trainer or you know, it, he could have uh you know, he, he could have been working at NXT or in OVW. Um, I can only imagine him and Jim Cornette trying to book a card together. Oh, God. <laughs> It'd probably be a good card, but shit. I mean, things might get thrown, like Jim Cornette. 
um okay so killed him <laughs> uh he has some so Bret Hart always wants to talk mad shit about Goldberg um yeah uh you know I I like Goldberg a lot more than Bret Hart does but I mean I I get it you know yeah. um Goldberg did basically end his career it was an accident I was about to say he didn't do it on purpose right and if you listen to Bret Hart talk I mean he basically did yeah. And I'm just, I'm just like, man, come on. Goldberg went through like 300 and something people without seriously hurting anyone. Yeah. You know, it's, it was an accident. I, he, is he, is he a agile technical wonder in the ring? Far, far, far from it. But he didn't intentionally kick him, you know? Yeah. Um, it, well, Brett, Brett always makes the point. He says that. He says Goldberg hurt a lot of guys, and I never once heard from anybody that he heard or that that uh, they were hurt by Goldberg. Right. He wasn't even like that much of a badass in real life. Chris Jericho kicked the dog shit out of him. <laughs> you know, it, it, like for reals. Yeah. Um, now you know. Okay, so we every time we do one of these A and E shows, this always comes up. They got these fucking jackoffs on here talking like they were there and they're like our age. Um, so I'm not gonna. I don't want to go in depth about them. I just want to say that we noticed that they're there. They suck. They shouldn't be in any of these. We've said it like seven times. This is like the eighth time. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Um, here's my other major problem with this whole thing. They, knowing what we know after the last episode of Dark Side of the Ring season two knowing everything we know about Owen Hart's death, for them to make this biography and spend two seconds going, and then Owen Hart died, and then just on to the next subject. That shit pissed me off immensely. You have a two-hour documentary, and you're going to talk about Owen's passing just, I mean, so briefly. I mean, you could have... You could have got, gotten up and gotten something to drink and missed it. Yeah, uh, I noticed that. And um, I don't know. I guess it was probably, you know, if, if anything, it's more just, hey, let's not dwell on it or something like that. But Well, yeah, I'd be like, let's not dwell on it if I got somebody killed too. Like, oh, yeah, yeah let's not talk about it. it. It's because it's WWE funded and and based that 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 it irks me so bad because they were um i you know they were heavily uh if if not completely at fault they were definitely liable in his death and uh the the fact that they still to this day can't even admit uh the circumstances when it's already been settled in court uh, you know, it, it's like, what are we doing here? Is this, is this wide open or not? You know? Yeah. Um, I don't have much to say on it. <laughs> right. And yeah. neither do they. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and yeah, but I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, disregard it. It's just, I generally just, I don't know what to say anymore on it, you know, kind of thing. That's just yeah. that. That that's just how I feel. It's just I just generally 
just do not know what to say about it. I feel so, you. So I'm just going to leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I get what you're saying that they just glossed over that. Yeah. Um, I do want to say something about his WCW run. Yeah. This is where I think Bischoff is full of shit. Okay. All right. Because why did you pay Bret Hart all of this money if you didn't, like, I don't understand why they pay, like, because he says that he needed Bret Hart because he had Thunder coming up. So he needed Bret Hart. And I sit there and I go and I watch Thunder. <laughs> guess who's not featurely or guess who is not heavily featured on that show at all Bret Hart yeah so what like why would y'all pay all of this money for him to come over and then not know what the fuck to do with him Make it seem like, oh, well, Bret Hart didn't want to be there or anything like that. I'm just like, no. But then again, he might not have. I, I don't I think both of them were at fault on it. I just think I just think it just it, it did not work. And it should have worked. That's I, I think Bischoff wanted Brett so that Vince wouldn't have him. And that's it. I mean, that could have. Because at that point in time, they were just interested in getting the stars, man. Like, it didn't matter, you know? It, it didn't matter if they planned to use them. That's all they wanted to do is pull people away from WWF. And Brett, I mean, he was, he, you know, this was the, the guy who was the damn champion at the time that he, he decided to go. You yeah. know, he, he negotiated with them while he was WWF champion. So you got a guy that they've been using for years as a champion they don't know the attitude era is about to kick off and that he's not going to be worth a damn to them. You know? Yeah, but then, but then Bischoff wants to make statements of like how Brett never drew that much. Like all these five-star matches don't get you anything. I'm like, yeah, okay, Bischoff, this is where I can't defend you. Yeah. Sorry. Like I just, like every time he says that, oh, I got him because of Thunder. Where was he on Thunder? Right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, I don't really have a, a ton left to say on this one. You got anything else uh, that you want to talk about about this biography before we wrap it up? Well, just, uh, you know, and, and I've, I've ragged on Brett as well on, on this thing as well, dude, but I could go and watch a Bret Hart match any day of the week, whether it be tag, singles, anything, man. Because all of his matches were tremendous. But Bret holds a special place in my heart, too, because when I was getting into wrestling as a young child, growing up and everything like that, um, my dad told me two things when getting into pro wrestling. He said this. He said... In WCW, Sting is the best wrestler. In WWE or WWF. In WWF, Bret Hart was the man. So that's what I went by. 
And there's one pay-per-view that will hold a special place in my heart. It's open. Uh, oh, my God. I almost said open house. <laughs> in your house. In your house. The very first pay-per-view. Or the, 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 the very first in your house pay-per-view. 95. I remember that because Brett wrestled twice that night. He wrestled Hakushi and um, Jerry the King Lawler. And that pay-per-view is one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. Not because it has these amazing matches or anything like that, but because back in the day when you had VHS, my parents would somehow get uh, video copies of pay-per-view events. One pay-per-view event in particular was this In Your House 95 pay-per-view. And so I used to watch that videotape religiously as a child whenever i go to my grandmother's house it was there for whatever reason so i would go and i grab it and i watch it so brett holds a very special place in my heart all of this other stuff you know i don't really like to hear after the fact but looking back at it on those times that's what i remember most about brett hart and just the amazing matches that he had as well Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, my opinion on Brett was, you know, as I've said on here before, it was very tainted for a lot of my life by my love for Shawn Michaels and the WWE framing of the Montreal Screwjob. Uh, but I always really liked him. In WCW, he used to fucking terrify me because as a kid, it was like, this dude literally can... It doesn't matter who your favorite wrestler is. This dude can, like, break their leg or their arm or whatever. And, you know, uh, the sharpshooter, I mean, it, he protected that finish, dude. That sharpshooter was hell on earth if you got put in it. Um, you know, so Bret Hart, I, I think it's one of the greatest of all time. I think he has an incredibly tragic story. I think his career was derailed. I mean, I think if he... I, I honestly think if he had gotten into wrestling, been born, like, 10 years earlier... He would have been able to have a full career and, and retire. But wrestling, unfortunately for him, wrestling completely passed him by in the Attitude Era and the Monday Night War. You know, there was no place for him. He's the redheaded stepchild, uh, you know, in this whole thing. And it, it's unfortunate. I don't, I don't know if, he, if there was a right call for him to make other than just taking his ball and going home. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate for someone who is as talented as he is yeah but you're not gonna find another one like him that took the business like he did no i mean you're really not i mean you know like honestly in 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 the modern era um i i think um tomaso champa might be the only might be the 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 uh exception uh the closest to him Maybe, uh, maybe Joe, uh, Samoa Joe has, has always steered away from the really silly shit. Yeah. Um, and, and always been himself, unless, uh, uh, unless it's the, uh, nation of violence. Yeah. We don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> you know, or, uh, uh, you know, if you want to go down to the indie level, uh, like a John Davis, um, you know, 
somebody who is 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 real, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean he he deserves his place among the greats in history, and I'm glad that they included him on this uh, on the slate here for these documentaries. Now I just hope they don't make any more. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, but I did like this one just because, well, I, there's obviously things I didn't like about it, but I liked for the most part going back and making me want to go and watch a lot of his old stuff. Um, yeah. just like I did with the Mick Foley thing. Yeah. Well, folks, um, I, th I think at this point we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. We have a lot, uh, coming up, uh, we are going to do uh, Dynamite Kid next, and that's going to wrap up the... Uh, we've wrapped up the A&E Biography series now. Uh, we so And then that will actually wrap up the first half of Season 3 of Dark Side of the Ring, and then we are going to have some really cool content to get ready for you after that. Um, you know, we really appreciate the fan uh, mail, so to speak, digital mail, uh, that we got today. So, uh, mess like I said, messages on Facebook is the easiest way to get a hold of us. Keep that stuff coming. Um, you know, we'll give you a shout out on air. You know, um, so yeah. uh, thanks again, Ryan, for sending that in. And um, you know, I, I think it's time to say it. This has been an evolved review. <laughs>